Welcome to Global Chat Radio, the multicultural voice of Western Australia, where today I'm again joined by Antonia Casella for another episode in the story of Dante, his life and his legacy. For those of you who don't recall, um, Antonio is an Australian novelist, short story writer, born in Italy and came to Australia in his mid-teens. And today Antonio is going to be talking to us about Purgatorio Canto 2. Tell me, Antonio, welcome, first of all. Oh, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. And now tell me, why did you choose this particular canto for today's discussion? Well, if I may start with a bit of a a story from my childhood. When I was uh, 12 years old or thereabouts, I was boarding in a Jesuits uh, college in uh, Catania in Sicily. And um, this new priest came, arrived, and he was teaching us and he was reading through the roll and read my name. He said, Casella, he says, Casella, and he got very excited about it. Is that really your name? And I said, yes. Um... He's he's, uh, featured in the the great uh, Divine Comedy. He was obviously an enthusiast of uh, of Dante. Um, And so then the next time I went to class, he was showing me exactly where it was. He read me the piece. And that really started my interest in Dante from a very selfish point of view. I thought, well, some book that's got my name in it, it's got to be good. So... um, 
Yeah, uh, that's how I started uh, the interest. And then I thought, well, we're doing a few cantos. Might as well do that one where Dante, who was um, a friend of Casella, Casella was a friend of Dante, um, uh, Casella was a musician and obviously died before Dante, so he features him in Purgatorio. So are you a descendant of uh, the Casella who was a friend of Dante? Well... You never know these things, but um, we're talking about 700 years ago, and in that time, uh, all sorts of things could have happened. However, um, this particular Casella was a Tuscan, which is in north-central Italy, uh, whereas I come from the south, I come from Sicily. So, but I'll, I, I will accept in my mind that I am a descendant of this Casella from Tuscany then. So... Casella, the, the name Casella, what's the derivation of that? Um, well, in Italian, casa means house. So casetta means small house. Casella is used these days as a post office box. In fact, if you write to somebody to a post office box, you'll say casella postale. So it's a, it's a, it's a, widely used word in Italian, but also the name, I think, is uh, uh, found throughout the peninsula. Okay, so tell us about Canto 2. Yes, well, Canto 2 marks the beginning of the Purgatorio, part of the Divine Comedy, and here uh, we've left the gloom and the torment and the desperation and the hopelessness of uh, Inferno because the souls there have no hope of ever getting out or achieving um, um, Paradiso. Um, the, the mood changes, the language changes. Um, we're into a more contemplative mood perhaps and, um, and to some extent I think Dante gets more, a little bit more philosophical here in Purgatorio uh, as things like as to the nature of sin and expiation. Um, um, he tends to look, uh, or, uh, to look more and more into the human nature and explore the relationship, his relationship and of course the reader's relationship with God. Um, so in Purgatorio, um, hope, the fact that there is hope there is a prevailing sentiment uh, because Purgatorio, of course, is a, a phase between midway between Inferno and um, Paradiso. Uh, it's expiating, uh, it's a rite of passage, if you like, a cleansing passage rather, uh, at the end of which there is the prospect prospect of eternal life and knowledge of God and uh, uh, eternal life in Paradiso. So it's hopeful and increasingly so as he uh, rises up on in the in uh, Purgatorio. Um, so the canto actually starts with a great descriptive passage. Uh, uh, quite a dramatic passage, actually, where we find Dante accompanied, of course, as he was in, in uh, Inferno, is accompanied by Virgil, the great uh, Latin Roman poet. And they're positioned in the, on the seashore, on the beach there, having left the Inferno behind. And in front of them, there's, they're gazing at this big hill, which is the hill of Purgatorio, which they have to climb. 
uh, circle by circle until they get to the top of the hill. Um, and uh, each circle becomes smaller and the light becomes brighter as you get close to the inferno. But from the beach, they see something coming. It's quite dramatic. Um, there's a, in the mist, something's moving towards them. They can't tell what it is. It's, uh, and then as it comes forward, slowly and gradually, they see a boat, a vessel rather, but it doesn't have any sails. All they can see is this flapping and then they think maybe it could be a, a bird, this big bird on top of this boat. Um, so as it comes closer, it blinds them almost. The light is so intense that it blinds them. They shut their eyes. Um, uh, then they think, oh, it's a bird. And then finally, Virgil recognizes and says to um, Dante, he says, Fa, fa che le ginocchia cali, ecco l'angel di Dio, piega le mani. Which means, bend your knees, bend your knees, and fold your hands. Behold the angel of God. So this is an angel that drives to some extent with his, by flapping his wings, the sailing ship just is uh, propelled forward. So here we are, what they do notice as well, that on the ship there are a hundred, over a hundred souls coming forward to be deposited on the beach and they're on the way to um, Purgatorio. This looks like a very dramatic scene, sort of worthy, I guess, of Francis Ford Coppola, for example. Yeah, it's it's cinematic, yeah. Uh, I was actually thinking of Apoc Apocalypse Now, some of the, the great scenes there um, uh, of this ship sort of, or this vessel moving forward like that and, and revealing itself and taking on a sort of life of its own. Uh, so uh, consider that this was um, written in seven, well, in 1300. Uh, 700 years ago. Um, so not only is he a master of language, of, of the language, of the use of language, but also it has, shows great imagination, visual imagination. And, uh, you know, in this case, uh, the, uh, this scene could be easily filmed by one of, uh, by, could do justice to a great director, in my humble opinion anyway. So, Antonio, would you like to perhaps read an excerpt from that part of the canto? Yes, uh, Tim, I think that's a very good idea. Just to give the, the an idea of the power of the language as used by Dante Alighieri, uh, I think it would be uh, good to read a verse and then perhaps in, in Italian first and then in English a few verses just to see how uh, Dante uh, puts this scene together. Poi, come più e più verso noi venne l'uccel divino, più chiaro appariva, perché l'occhio da presso non sostenne. 
And then, as more and more the bird divine drew near to us, the brighter he appeared. Therefore, mine eyes endured him not nearby. Machina il giuso, e quei se ne venne arriva con un vasello snelletto leggero, tanto che l'acqua nulla ne inghiottiva. But down I cast them. With a little boat he came ashore, so agile and so light. The water swallowed up no part of it. Da poppa stava il celestiel nocchiero, tal che faria beato per iscritto, e più di cento spirti entro sediero. Such on its stern the heavenly pilot stood, that he would bless one, were he but described, more than a hundred spirits sat within. In exitu Israel de Egipto, cantavan tutti insieme ad una voce, con quanto di quel salmo e poscia scripto. When Israel out of Egypt came, they all, in unison, were singing there together, with what is written after in that psalm. Poi fecero il segno lor di Santa Croce, onde si gittar tutti in sulla spiaggia, ed ei sengì come venne, veloce. Then, having signed them with the Holy Cross, whereat all cast themselves upon the shore, he went away as swiftly as he came. So, in this scene here, um, also to note that Dante links uh, the deliverance of uh, the souls to the, at the gates of Purgatorio with the exodus of the people of Israel from Egypt, led by Moses. Um, so there's this connection, and, and this and this is often happens in uh, Dante's verses that he connects historical uh, pieces um, uh, or something historical or a myth or religious uh, with what's going on there. In this case, it's a biblical dimension that's given to um, uh, this scene. Uh, and not only the scene, but the whole canto actually um, uh, can be read as uh, the... Uh, uh, a metaphor, if you like, an allegory of the um, freeing uh, um, of the uh, Egyptian, uh, sorry, of the Israelis from Egypt. So we now have these hundred souls on the beach about to enter purgatory. Yes. Where do we go from there? Well, um, the souls ask Dante. Um, uh, they sort of a bit lost as well there because the angel <laughs> didn't bother with them, just dumped them there basically. And uh, they say, where, where, which is the way to Purgatorio? Um, and while this discussion's going on, one of the souls leaves the group and just moves. And here again, you've got a very cinematic um, uh, scene. One of the, the souls just moves forward <clears throat> and looks at Dante and sees that, of course, he's not a spirit. He's, he's, he's embodied. He's got a physical form there. And um, and they all, the others, gather around and say, well, how is this possible? And then Dante tries to explain that he's in this voyage through um, uh, through uh, Purgatorio to heaven and, and uh, tries to explain his being there. 
And then the one that was came forward then comes to Dante and tries to embrace him. Dante at first is sort of what's going on sort of thing, but then he tries to embrace him back, but his hands don't hold anything in his hands. His hands come back to his chest again. In other words, the figure he's trying to embrace is just a shadow. He can't. And so this really mystifies him even more until the figure speaks and then Dante realizes is his musician friend Casella. So Dante, of course, is amazed by this and he says, Casella mio, Casella my friend, what are you, you know, where, where are you going? And Casella says a couple of beautiful lines here. He says, Così come te mai nel moltar corpo, così t'amo sciolta. Just as I loved you in your mortal uh, body in your physique, I, I still love you as a spirit. So in other words, love uh, is eternal in this case. And then Dante addresses him and says, why don't you play me one of your pieces or, or at least sing me a song? And so we have a song by Casella. He chooses to... Um, sing a very famous piece that was written by Dante himself, so it's a bit of, a bit of uh, self-promotion here, which is called Amor che nella mente mi ragiona. It's, it comes from the Convivio, another work of Dante Alighieri, and it's a poem um, about love and woman, womanhood, or woman as an ideal, in which, in his case, it was Beatrice, of course, as we've spoken before, and woman that is the conduit between the male or the man and God. So she's um, this kind of uh, idealised person. Okay, so perhaps now we could hear the Ensemble San Felice, led by Federico Badazzi, to recite the lyrics and then play the music that you have just been referring to. Amor che nella mente mi ragiona cominciò egli allorsì dolcemente che la dolcezza ancor dentro mi suona. Lo mio maestro e io e quella gente che erano con lui parevan sì contenti come a nessun toccasse altro la mente. Noi eravamo tutti fissi e attenti alle sue note ed ecco... So at this point, uh, Dante once again introduces another uh, character, 
from ancient Rome, and that's Cato, Cato the Elder, the great philosopher and historian. And he's not just, he could have made him into some old man, you know, wise old man, you know, uh, that uh, says words of wisdom, but he's a real character here. Uh, He comes on and he says, what's going on here, all this singing and going on? Che ciò spiriti lenti, quale negligenza, quale stare a questo? So he's scolding him. He's a, he's, a, he's a vibrant character. And he scolds him and says, move on. What's going on, you tidy people? We've got a job to do here. Let's hurry up to the mountain. So you can see how Dante constructs these characters, picks them from various parts of history, in this case, Cato the Elder, as I said. And um, the, the group moves up towards the uh, the bottom of uh, Purgatorio. So, Antonio, the Divine Comedy seems to have been structured in a multi-layered sort of format. Tell us about that. Yes, well, just as the, the geography of the Divine Comedy is, is in layers, uh, I think the language and the way it's... Uh, Dante has constructed these cantos, they can be, they open themselves for interpretation. They can be, in, in this case, as we've seen, it's a metaphor. It's got <coughs> an allegorical uh, level to it where you can read things about the politics of the time, about history, about religion. It's about myth. It's about all of those things. So his, um, the, the Divine Comedy is... Uh, a true work of art in that it opens up um, multiple layers of interpretation. Thank you for coming in today, Antonio, and sharing your thoughts on Purgatorio. But maybe next time we can talk about something a little bit more placid and ethereal. Yes, yes, I think that's a grand idea. Um, do you feel purified enough to tackle uh, Paradiso next time? Well, it looks like a very big mountain I have to climb, <laughs> but um, I'm ready to give it a go. Yes, good idea. So next time, uh, our next program will be a canto from Paradiso. We won't say which one. We'll just keep um, listeners in suspense on this one. Thank you once again. Thank you, Tim. Great to see you again. Thank you.